0: Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. I'm so grateful to have you here with me, and I cannot wait to continue on this wellness journey together. This week on the show, we are chatting with Neil Cannon, health coach, best-selling author, and podcast host. Neil is driven to help people seek out the root causes of their ailments. In our conversation, he introduces us to the four pillars of vitality physical, mental, emotional, and energetic, and shares how he incorporated lifestyle changes in order to treat lifelong eczema and other health concerns. As someone who personally struggles with eczema, I was especially interested in learning about this. Now, we also discuss the journey of healing from our trauma, the power of forgiveness, how to remove inflammatory foods from our diets, and much, much more. Before we get any further into today's conversation, I would like to thank our sponsor, Energy Bits. For those of you who haven't introduced algae into your wellness routine yet, it's time to try it out. Algae is a nutrient-dense superfood and so easy to consume. Energy Bits offers 100% Spirulina and Chlorella tablets, which are naturally grown and non-GMO. I'm a huge fan of their Chlorella Recovery Bits tablets. Chlorella is an incredibly detoxifying algae that can help your body recover after a workout Improve digestion, and much more. If you're interested in trying them out for yourself, you can visit energybits.com and use my code wellness and wanderlust for 20% off. I'm going to link them in the show notes as well. We had founder Catherine Arnston on episode 19 of this show. So if you want to learn more about the benefits of algae, be sure to check out that episode. All right, my friends, let's dive into this week's conversation with Neil Cannon. Neil thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you Valerie. so good to be here. I'm doing very well thank you and excited for our conversation.
0: I am too. I think talking about vitality that's something that all of us want to bring more of into our lives and it probably is something we all define differently. I'd love to know how you found yourself on this journey toward vitality and what that's looked like for you.
1: Yeah, great question, because it absolutely wasn't my plan about 15 years ago to work in this industry. I used to be in <laughs> real estate, believe it or not. And uh, like just about everyone I know who works in holistic health, I come with my own story of healing and recovery and um, also witnessing someone very close to me and my family's health deteriorate so fast. And really, um, I had eczema for 30 years, really bad eczema. And I was always given the same symptom masking treatments, including steroid creams, which have left pigmentation on my skin, prescription moisturizers, that really quite toxic ingredients in them, and antibiotics when it got really bad. And antibiotics are known to really harm your gut microbiome, particularly when over-prescribed. So um, these treatments were all harmful. While they appeared to work short-term, they weren't ever addressing the cause. And I didn't even know about the word cause <laughs> until my father suffered a stroke so my father's stroke was my wake-up call, in a word. And I had this kind of inner knowing, my innate intelligence was telling me that he he, he needn't have to have had the stroke. And uh, I'd already written a book, actually, on increasing testosterone naturally for guys. I'll spare you the details about that one. But I was already just kind of entered the industry kind of slowly, and I'd seen this word inflammation. I remember him being told he had chronic inflammation. And then I just had this memory of being in the family home a few years before his stroke. And he told me that his sister, a naturopathic doctor, had told him that he had chronic inflammation. She had tested his blood and said, your, your blood is toxic and you, you are inflamed. And he told me this in the kitchen over a cup of tea. He was making tea. And a few years later, he had the stroke. And then shortly after that, I thought, hang on, what was going on here? Why didn't he get rid of the inflammation? So that put me on a whole path of investigation to research inflammation, which I found to be the underlying cause of every chronic illness, including the asthma he'd had since he was 12, a fully reversible condition, something most people don't know, and also the hypertension that led to the stroke and also the eczema that I had for 30 years. So I went about an anti-inflammatory diet and lifestyle and protocol, reverse my eczema, and helped lots of other people do the same thing, but not just eczema, all kinds of chronic health challenges. And it's just grown and grown and grown since then. So that's my story in a nutshell.
0: Well, I can so relate on the eczema. I grew up with eczema myself. Was in paper clothing in the hospital when I was born because I couldn't wear the um, the hospital clothes that had been in the detergents. And throughout my life, it has been such a struggle. And it's always so funny when you get the people that'll say, "Oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that?" with with a lot of the traditional approaches. It's like, "Yep, I've I've tried all of them. Trust me." And it's very painful. It can really affect your life in more ways. I think people think. Think of it sometimes from the superficial side, but it affects your life and your overall comfort level. I'd love to know about that anti-inflammatory diet and what the lifestyle changes looked like specifically for the eczema, but probably for these other conditions as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I've not heard of this paper clothing in hospitals. Wow. that's yeah. um, I, I didn't have that experience that I know of. <laughs> um I, I developed eczema as a toddler so a few years after i was born so yeah coming back to your next question and and just just acknowledging the the impact it has on our emotional and mental well-being just by having eczema it's just a, definitely a confidence buster what about anti-inflammatory nutrition yeah you, you talk about skin and eczema and yes you also alluded to it it helps with all kinds of chronic inflammatory health conditions as well So a lot of people are consuming a diet. And by the way, diet is just one piece of the puzzle. It's a very important piece, but it's only one piece of the puzzle. A lot of people are consuming food that isn't really true food. And we're consuming toxic food. And this is food that's been altered or man-made and processed and fried. And anything that's, let's just say, not in alignment with nature and the nature codes has the potential to create an inflammatory response. So in our typical standard diet, let's say the standard American diet, a lot of people are consuming, well, processed foods, fried foods, fake foods, and there's a couple of culprits that a lot of people can benefit from replacing. I prefer not to talk about quitting because that normally introduces pain into people's lives. But if we can replace a few culprits such as sugar, such as the modern hybridized wheat grain, so bread, pasta. The wheat grain has been very much altered by a man through a, pr- a process called mutagenesis. Whilst it's amazing for the agricultural industry, it is horrific for the gut. And, and then it's roundup ready. And this is you know, particularly in America. People can actually eat the wheat grain in Europe, say France or Italy, and actually be okay. In fact, I've heard many people talk about how they went to America, they didn't change their diet, but they started to get bloated and breakouts of various different conditions. They'd go back to Europe and they'd be fine. So something is going on with the wheat grain in America because it has been man-altered. The same thing happens with GMO corn and other GMO products, which have been proven, quote-unquote, safe, and they are simply not safe. So... um, there's a brilliant documentary by the by the way on this called GMO O M G. And it's something I introduced all my clients to, particularly those in America, because in America the food supply has been messed with. And we want to be getting back to nature. So that's one of them. Another one is dairy. And I'm not saying every type of dairy, but for the most part, people can benefit from not having cow's milk, pasteurized cow's milk from cows that have been often injected with with recombinant bovine growth hormone and antibiotics. So there's a lot of processing that's happened in the cow as well. So some people can actually drink raw milk, for example, pure organic raw milk, and they might be okay. I just think it's a general rule of thumb that most people can benefit by not having milk and not having dairy products. And we can just trial and error, see what happens. Um, Some people can feel different in a matter of days or within a week. Other people, it might take a little longer, but we can often determine pretty quickly in our bodies if we are intolerant to certain food types. So gluten, dairy, sugar, three things that if people replaced, they could notice a huge change. I've had clients, in fact, a recent one, I signed up a few. He had this thing called vasculitis in his foot. And he uh, he told me about his diet. And he said, I, I don't have any intolerance to wheat. And I, and I said, we'll see. <laughs> and sure enough, within a week, he started to experience improvements. But we did we did other things as well. But the wheat, he knows now that he's intolerant to because after taking it out and then accidentally reintroducing it, he noticed a flare-up. So there are a couple of things, dietary, that people can benefit from.
0: I think that that's so important to be keeping in mind, just how much... I know that I first realized how much food impacted the way I was feeling physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the different ways. And... I would say for me, it's it's dairy and gluten are the two major mm-hmm. ones and sugar. And I would hear from so many people kind of on the flip side of what you said, they would be traveling to Italy or to Europe in general. They would say, well, I don't know how I'm going to eat whatever. I'm just my stomach's going to hurt, but I'm going to have to try all the things, of course, while I'm traveling. And they were totally fine consuming gluten overseas. And I think it, it is so telling for how in the U.S. we're treating our food. I mean, it's, it's pretty appalling. Another point there too, is with the, with the client you have with the vasculitis, how often we don't realize we're not, we're not feeling like our best. We're kind of going through the motions and it is kind of mediocre on a daily basis, but it's kind of our new normal. So that's how we process. But when we're taking those things out and then suddenly, oh my gosh, I don't have a headache anymore. My, my yeah. skin's not breaking out. It's, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I often describe having discovering the energy you never knew you had. And I love what you just said yeah. about normalized behavior and normalized feeling. We kind of go about our days on a day-to-day, week-by-week basis on this kind of sub-optimal level and very sluggish. But we don't realize we're sluggish until we start making the changes. And then suddenly we have this newfound energy and vitality. You know, oh, wow. I can see it with new eyes. I've, I've had some pretty interesting feedback from those I've helped, clients, friends. More recently, a friend's been detoxifying from cancer, well, his body, because he was diagnosed with cancer on stage two. Of course, he was told to go and do the conventional thing, chemo, radio. But I don't think he would recommend surgery, but, you know, chemo and radio. They're not taking into account why the cancer's there at all. So he did have some time to, I want to say, play with. It was not play by any means. He's been t- detoxifying his body, hard, across every pathway, not just diet, everything. And his his eyesight is virtually back to 2020 vision because his body wow. was toxic. Not only has reversed his cancer, he's reversed declining eyesight and all kinds of skin conditions. His body is infinitely better than it was before the cancer diagnosis. And he's having this crazy spiritual awakening as well. He's like, he's seeing with his third eye because his third eye was calcified. And it's just interesting what's happening. He's getting visions in his meditations and it's just extraordinary. What happens when we detoxify our bodies?
0: That's amazing. And, you know, something that you talk about is with vitality that you have these pillars and I would imagine that food and nutrition definitely fall into it. Talk to me about those pillars of vitality and how we can pursue that feeling that the energy you never had. Because again, I think so many of us have just normalized feeling not great. And that's how we feel like it's going to be. I've talked to so many people who have said, well, this is kind of how it's going to be from now on. This is always going to hurt a little bit. This is always going to be this way. And I don't think it has to be. So talk to me about what some of those things are that we can be doing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So the the pillars of vitality I refer to are the physical, mental, emotional, and energetic. So most people, when they go about reversing an illness or wanting to optimize their body in, in whatever way, they start with the physical. So they start with exercise and nutrition, looking at the essential cell fuels, looking at where potential toxins are. I talk about internal toxins, external toxins. Where are we exposed to toxins? So it's it's almost like having a checklist. And this is kind of like how functional medicine works. It's like asking the question, where are the toxins coming from? What is causing a toxic effect on my body? Also, what's really useful is to get some blood tests done to see what your levels of toxicity are. There might be a heavy metal test. It might be a chronic inflammation test. You might have a gut microbiome test. You might see what's going on in your body to determine like a baseline. And then if your systemic inflammatory marker levels are elevated, you want to be going about bringing that down because every time if someone is inflamed, you start to bring those levels down by detoxifying the body and replenishing with cell fuels, you're going to notice an increase in energy. So that's, that's the physical in a nutshell. And I also incorporate principles of the body electric. We are actually wired up like a house with different organs on different electrical circuits. I used to be an electrician, by the way, so when this was explained to me, then I did further research, it all became very clear. And it all just kind of pieced together like a beautiful puzzle. Um, if we understand that we're wired like a house with different organs on different circuits, and then all of those circuits go through our teeth, which act like circuit breakers, this is crazy stuff when I first found this out six years ago when I had EMF poisoning, another story for another time maybe, unless you want to go there. But um, it's just finding out all this incredible information. We can, we can actually reverse engineer why would the body get symptoms by principles of the body electric, which I think is pretty cool. So that's the physical. <laughs> I was going to say my book that I'm launching soon is called The Vitality Code. And I talk about this and I talk about reverse engineering illness. In other words, problem solve the illness, problem solve the symptom, which is like a warning light on your car dashboard, problem solve the, the symptom, get to the cause, address the cause, and then replenish the body so the symptom naturally disappears. Et voila.
0: <laughs> so how do you replenish the body after something like that?
1: Let's say someone's coming from a standard American diet and they're consuming fake food. If, if we determine that fake food is being taken in, just by switching your diet to an anti-inflammatory diet and upping the micronutrient intake, your vitamins and minerals, predominantly from plant-based foods, you're gonna start replenishing the system. Also, our cells require essential cell fuels. So first and foremost, oxygen. Second, water. Three, nutrients. Four, they must be able to eliminate waste. So in other words, we have to detoxify. If we don't detoxify, Toxins build up by definition, they, they build up. We have a, a, an ever increasing toxic world right now, which we can't really get away from. So what we can do is help our own bodies to detoxify. If we don't sweat, we, we are not detoxifying. So if we're not active, well, we are, sorry. We're, just, we're compromising our detoxification mechanisms unless we sweat, for example. So the lymphatic system requires for the body to work up and um, warm up ever so slightly because of the lymph fluid, it, that's what it requires for it to then leave the system. So I've noticed with my own skin, I would call my skin, even though my eczema for the most part is gone, every now and again, I can have a bit of a, a slight flare up. And what I'll notice is it can be equated with not sweating enough, <laughs> believe it or not, because then I'll go and sweat and then my skin gets, I notice it within hours or at least the next day. That's just a personal thing. Other people might not need to have s- sweat, but we, we at least need to warm that fluid up to allow it to escape the system, which is why lymphatic drainage and dry brushing and whatever else is super important. We need to, we need to get that fluid out. It's, it's like the garbage waste disposal. The blood detoxifies as well. There's many organs that detoxify. The liver detoxifies, of course. So there's many organs that detoxify. The skin is one of them. We also breathe out 70% of our toxins from our breath. Another reason why we need to be active, because if we're not active, we're not expelling these toxins. Anyway, that's a few ways to replenish the body. And we want to be thinking about cell fuels, oxygen, water, nutrients, eradicate waste. We also need to ground. We also need good sleep. Sleep is essential for the body to heal.
0: That's always the one that I struggle with the most because I think so many of the people listening to this show too, you have a lot of working professionals and people who very, we're a very go, go, go society. And so I think the sleep aspect of it is the one that we tend to forget about, but is so important. And I think that it's hard to make the positive decisions around food and exercise, or even just get yourself up to exercise if you're not getting the sleep and really replenishing your body in that way. So I love that you mentioned that.
1: Yeah, I can't talk about sleep without talking about a friend of mine. Who's also a world-renowned sleep doctor, his name is Dr. Michael Bruce. And he was kind enough to come onto my podcast a few years ago. And he talks about chronotypes, about different ways that we can maximize our sleep and know that when we're most productive, and you know, there are people who are they wake up in the morning super early, and there's other people who wake up later, and some people go to bed later. And you know, there's different patterns that we all have. And one thing he also has is these hacks for caffeine and alcohol. So some people think, oh, I can't have anything <laughs> if I'm going to need to sleep well. And they think of it as this kind of sacrifice. And then, and then it never happens because they don't want to sacrifice the things that they love, such as caffeine and alcohol. So he's got these ways to, quote unquote, hack the caffeine and alcohol thing. At night, one of the worst times to drink caffeine, or caffeine, of course, the, the later we drink it in the day and the closer it is to bedtime, of course, it's going to affect our sleep, even if we think we're sleeping well. If we're having caffeine in the afternoon, after say two p.m., it's going to affect our sleep more. Even if we think we sleep well, it's still going to interfere with it. And with alcohol, if he actually said, what he actually asked me the question, when do you think the best time to drink is? And he actually, I didn't know, and he said it's happy hour, as in around four or five p.m. And if you have maximum two units, by the time you go to sleep, at say ten or eleven, you've actually processed the alcohol. What interferes with sleep is having alcohol just before bed. And being a Brit, that was a way of life for quite some time. Not every night, but, you know, quite a few nights. Or certainly in my late 20s, I'd have alcohol four or five nights a week. It's not me now. I'm in my 40s now. So um, if we want to sleep well, we want to be mindful about the impact of alcohol on our sleep and have a nice gap between our last drink and going to sleep.
0: That makes sense. And I think that's really important to know, because I think a lot of people would assume you could drink kind of before bed and that you would be fine because it's a depressant, but kind of understanding how the body is processing it. The caffeine definitely makes a lot of sense as well. I'd also love to know, because you we, we've talked a little bit about the physical pillars, but talk to me about, we have the mental, emotional, and energetic. Share a little bit more about some actionable steps and what those look like in our lives.
1: Let's talk about the emotional one first, because it's probably what the most peop- something most people can relate to immediately. Chronic stress is often known to be the cause of illness. In fact, it's often spoken about how 90% of illness is down to chronic stress. So what is stress? Stress is not actually what most people think that it is. One of my favorite definitions I ever came across in 2014 was stress is your internal response to external strains. And it was actually Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi who in his book talking about flow. And it just it really resonated with me. In other words, it's how we perceive our world which has the potential to create stress or not. And by the way, this is a work in process progress all the time. And there's things that are happening in my life right now which I'm having to really coach myself on. So it's how we react that determines whether or not the body is going to be subjected to stress or not. So I always give the example of a traffic jam. Let's say you're in a traffic jam or let's say you're you're going to work everything's smooth everything's gravy and suddenly there's a traffic jam and everything grinds to a halt you're late for work one person or well, two people can respond entirely differently one person can be super chilled and call their boss or let the boss know, let their boss know they're going to be late and just manage this time and just use that time they might listen to music they might listen to the podcast maybe your your podcast and just chill out in that time and use it. And we know that nothing's gonna happen with the nervous system, which impacts the immune system. Person B can be in exactly the same situation and start swearing and weaving in and out of traffic, maybe cause road rage, maybe even an accident, you know, shouting. And you can see the image of that person, red in the face, veins popping out of their forehead and neck, and you're thinking, you're literally causing your immune system to be completely compromised, you're in fight or flight, and that's not a good thing for the immune system. So that's, that's completely a response, a chosen response to exactly the same situation. Now, if you really peel back the layers of the onion, what we often find is people who are overreactive have a lot of trauma, and it's often spoken about as PTSD, post-traumatic disorder. And it's interesting because we can change our response by A, being aware of how we react and B, by releasing the trauma which has caused us to be overreactive. And we that's when we start to get really deep and we start to peel back the legs of the onion. So a big part, part of the emotional pillar is A, understanding what stress is and helping people to respond in a different way to pressures and demands that we have in our lives. We live in a hectic world of hyper-distraction, with endless demands on us and constant pressures, deadlines, money, relationships, family, children, whatever it is, work. And we can respond in a way that's calm and, well, relaxed, or we can be heated and quote-unquote stressed. So part of the work, the quote-unquote work, is actually understanding that it is our response, which it is our chosen response as to how the body's gonna react. So if we can become the conscious observer of how we react, then we can actually deal with life in a much more amenable, kind, relaxed way. That's quite a big piece. And and we can actually release the trauma, because trauma, this is a big one that very few people are aware of. Trauma gets stored like electromagnetic energy, literally bundles of energy. And these bundles of electromagnetic energy, because we are energy beings, through and through at 99.99999% energy and many zero one matter. So if we understand that, we also understand that emotions actually have mass. They're like, it's like an energetic mass, an electromagnetic energetic mass. And those bundles of energy can get stored anywhere in the body, from joints to your lower back, to your head, to organs, to anywhere. And there's a slogan that says, the organs weep the tears, the eyes refuse to shed. That's William Osler father of modern medicine. In other words, if we don't let this energy out of the body, it can actually cause illness and sickness. And what actually happens, reverting back or referring back to the body electric, is trapped emotions drop the voltage to our organs, which then become compromised and where illness is then created. Does that make sense?
0: Well, I think it absolutely does make sense. Outside of my day job, I I volunteer with a shelter for survivors of domestic abuse. And one of the areas of focus that they have, they talk about with their youth, these adverse childhood events, and they have the ACE test that they can do to see, you know, how many of those events you've had. And I've heard, you know, a lot of the research is pointing to the people that have experienced those Maybe who have not processed those, but overall, having experienced those, there is a higher likelihood of inflammation in the body, whether that's autoimmune disease or whatever other chronic illness. And I, I find it so fascinating. I've been having some stress in my professional life lately, and I've noticed in the last few months having significantly more pain in the body. And I've been getting massages, of course, to to deal with that. That's been a really nice stress relief to just kind of get my brain and my body a little bit back in alignment. But realizing that, yes, some of it was physical and it was the way that I was sitting and the way that I was doing whatever, but also just physically tensing up because of the emotional events going on and how much of an effect it has on the body. And just when I'm going through certain things, I feel it in certain areas that I don't necessarily have an injury. There's not another way to explain it other than this is how I'm kind of storing it.
1: Yeah. And this is not unusual. So I'm going to give you another, I'm going to give you a little gem that's been a game changer in my own client work and business and personal life and friends life uh, and family when they, when they want to. <laughs> um, <laughs> trauma release, as I just mentioned, understanding how emotions are stored as electromagnetic energy. One of my favorite pioneers in this is Dr. Bradley Nelson. And he wrote a book called The Emotion Code and also one called The Body Code. So The Emotion Code is a way to determine the names of emotions that it gets stored in your body using applied kinesiology. So you can ask the body yes and no questions using applied kinesiology when the muscle is strong on a yes and weak on a no, and you can do it with other methods as well. But you find out from the body, if you have trapped emotions stored in the areas affected or not knowingly affected so through process of elimination you can go through 60 emotions or find the name of the emotion that was stored you can also find out when it was stored if you want whether it was an inherited emotion or whether it's an emotion in this lifetime and then you can release it in a matter of seconds and often people my clients sometimes have had results even in the same session someone I'll never forget a few years ago the girlfriend of one of my clients in fact, sorry they were both clients i just He's not he's like my closest friend of the couple. <laughs> anyway, she was experiencing shoulder pain for more than a decade. And she had very limited range of motion. And it wasn't until we did some trauma release from her shoulder that she was able to move her shoulder more. And she, she even, I'll never forget, during the session, she was like, you're kidding me. What? <laughs> what? She'd done so many different things to try and help her shoulder. That's really strict anti-inflammatory nutrition, working out so much, functional movement, training, balancing her body, and she just could not fix her shoulder. And then we did some trauma release in her shoulder, and lo and behold, she got range of motion back. I can't say full range of motion, but it was a marked difference. And other, other clients have had knee pain, lower, lower back pain, migraines, often overnight is gone, or less than. Wow. So I recommend the Emotion Code and or the documentary E Motion. It's really good to understand that what we're talking about. It can, it's, it's a game changer. And understanding us as electrical beings before, or energy be- beings before physical is a huge bit of information to take on and a, a good knowing to have. <laughs> good understanding, a good knowing.
0: I think that's so important. And I, I will definitely be checking that out. I would love to try that. As far as the emotional goes, do you have any other suggestions for, I think, Sometimes we do find ourselves after the fact, I'm thinking gosh I should not have gotten angry about that I had it had a situation a couple of weeks ago where I reacted very emotionally and not in the way that I was the most proud of I was kind of making myself miserable in a sense with the way I reacted and causing some stress and while it was a situation that I don't like I also decided hey I need to you know I kind of woke up and said I can't keep feeling like this every single day and I need to push forward but at the same time there was all that time that I sat stressed out and I think a a lot of us we we look back at what we were dealing with and we're like oh my gosh I could have I could have handled this better maybe I shouldn't have let this get me so angry so sad so frustrated whatever what tips do you have for just dealing with those in the moment and recognizing it too cuz I also think we can just get reactive in traffic and not realize it but there there are things we can maybe be doing more proactively to kind of stop ourselves from getting to that point
1: Yeah, and you know what I think about immediately is a podcast that, on my podcast yesterday, I had a company, or friend, a person, who's created a company called Pause, Breathe, Reflect. And that's the first thing that comes to me. That's what we need to do. We need to pause because, and by the way, I'm not perfect at this, but I'm a much better than I was, say, five years ago or a completely different person to 10 years ago. So I used to be pretty highly strung, particularly among family. And that's where our trauma is most deeply rooted. So when we get triggered by things, it's it's not normally the event that's happening in in the present. It's normally something from the past. So it has the same frequency as something that's happened to us when we're five years old. And it's just resonated at that same frequency and therefore we're we're triggered. So there's a meaning that has got triggered. There's something when you really peel back the layers of the onion. So if we can pause, take a pause, take some nice, slow, deep breaths, go, okay, how am I going to react to this? (laughs) What is my perception right now? Is the meaning I'm creating serving me? Or am I giving my power away? You know, a lot of us give power away and, and our energy away by not understanding that we are in control of our reaction. And we, you know, we can say that person over there is stressing me, which is completely giving the power away and not accepting any responsibility whatsoever for your own emotional reaction. So there's no one stresses another person out. The only person who gets stressed out is the person saying I'm stressed out right now. You know, yes, we can be kind to each other. And if I was really mean to you right now, I'm sure it would create a reaction. But the the truth is, we, we can choose how we receive information at any point. If a little three year old started screaming in your face, you know, mean words, you're not going to take that on board and go, Oh, my goodness, you're so offensive. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> because you don't get create any meaning to it. But if you start having rapport and affinity in relation with people, and then suddenly they're mean, <laughs> then it's going to be a different reaction. But ultimately, if we can go back to the truth of it is how we respond, it's the meaning that we give to anything has the potential to create a response or not, or, you know, a reaction, a reactive response. And, but, and I, I want to say again, I'm not perfect at this, particularly around family. It's the hardest thing around family. It's getting better and it's getting better and it's getting better. So if we can, if we can just pause, take a breath and go, what, you know, what is real right now? What is really happening right now? What am I really, what is triggering me right now? That's one of the best, best questions. Why am I triggered by this? Why am I triggered by my boss yelling at me, saying you're late for your submission? I just came up with that example. If you really peel back the layers of the onion, there's normally some kind of deeply rooted trauma, which probably says, oh, I'm unworthy or something like that. And then you go, hang on, that's not even true. And they're just having a bad day. (laughs) So then you just go, oh, okay, I'm just going to relax and breathe and just smile kindly and respectfully. It's a lot easier said than done. It's a work in progress, but I think it's one of the greatest gifts that we can ever have, knowing we are in control of our thoughts for the most part, our reactions, our emotions most of the time. I want to say all the time, but we're not. Sometimes we have crazy intrusive thoughts. We're like, whoa, what the hell
0: was that? It's not (laughs) even out. Yeah.
1: But sometimes, you know, do you know what I mean?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I, I joke about it with my girlfriend. I don't, you know. <laughs> In fact, it just happened about an hour ago. I just walked into the kitchen with a big jug of water, and I was like, I've, I was so tempted to just throw that all over you just then. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah. she's like, intrusive thought. I was like, yeah, I'd
0: never do it. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's um, these these weird thoughts that come into our head. So it's just funny when you when you notice it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think also noticing it, sometimes we can laugh about it, which I found to be so restorative sometimes. I will think back to, I, I think sometimes responding with humor, sometimes the things need to be dealt with in whatever way it is, depending on how deeply it goes. But I really love, so actually, pause, breathe, reflect. We had Michael on Wellness and Wanderlust as well. And oh, really? <laughs> yeah, wow. he, he's amazing. What, what an incredible story. And that's the part I struggle with is really the pause. I think I'll reflect, I'll ruminate to be honest, but I do reflect kind of after the fact, but I think you can't really do that in the moment. You can't, if you're going off of those almost involuntary responses, I mean, if you're not taking that moment to stop and kind of assess the situation, take the breath and ask yourself, I, th- I think it really does give you your power back when you do take that pause moment. And I've I found myself even sometimes with a stressful interpersonal situation where sometimes I might say, hey, can I take a little bit of time to think about that? Because I I don't want to react with emotion or with, you know, what whatever biases I might be bringing to the table. I want to really be able to reflect and respond appropriately and with what's going to be productive to the conversation. And sometimes it's really easy to be triggered or to to trigger ourselves if we're going that fight or flight and, again, not, not slowing ourselves down to really assess. So I think that really is so important. And it's empowering when we do it. I'm definitely not perfect with it. But even just recognizing that the difficult thing that I'm dealing with right now That, yes, I responded kind of not in the best way about a week ago to it, realizing that, hey, I don't want to keep assigning this meaning to it right now. I ultimately know that I'm going to be taking an action that will need to be taken to, you know, to kind of move away from the situation that it was. But also recognizing that in the meantime, I can treat the situation with more equanimity. I can respond more calmly. I don't have to make myself miserable just because it's not the ideal situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like a, a constant work in progress of coaching oneself. Some of this stuff I learned from Tony Robbins, another person I want to give credit because I've had some pretty profound experiences at Date With Destiny and UPW. I've witnessed rape victims reframe their traumas to create new meaning, to give them an empowered life rather than be victims to that horrific event, which, of course, you're going to be a victim to that. It's just that, you know, these women who have been subjected to that kind of stuff, I cannot get my head around how anyone can reframe that because I just can't think of anything worse. Seeing people do it live and genuinely see light in their eyes come back, it was the most remarkable thing to see. And see people who are suicidal create new meanings for what's going on. And God, I'll never forget this one person who who, who, his head was all lopsided, very slurred speech. Tony Robbins said to 2,700 people in the room, who's suicidal? And I can't remember the number of people who stood up, but 100 or so. He said, stay standing up if you're a nine or 10, and 12 people remained stood. And by the way, this is often the event people go to. Well, these for these people, they were dragged there by people to help them. Anyway, one of these guys had an intervention with Tony Robbins, and we were doing all these Everything's around thoughts, beliefs, values, rules. What what do we have to think to feel a certain way? And this one of these guys was taken to the stage, this guy with a very kind of wobbly head and slurred speech. At one point, Tony said, Have you always um, had slurred speech like this? And he said, No. And he said, Is is your head has it always been this way? And said, you know, in a very kind, courteous way. And the guy went, No. And Tony went, Are you on any medication? And the guy went, Yeah. And I think Tony said something like, are you on a cocktail of them? (laughs) And this guy went, yeah. And Tony was pretty stern. He turned to the audience and he said, do you know what's on the side effects listed on these antidepressants? Suicidal thoughts. So people are taking these medications because they're depressed and they come with side effects of suicidal thoughts. Do you know how many people are taking these medications? You know, I mean, that was partly me talking, not him. But it was, you know, I'll, I'll just never remember Oh, sorry, I'll never forget um, that moment. Um, You know, I work in holistic health and people are taking all these drugs and not understanding what's really going on there. Anyway, he did this intervention. And what this guy said, sometimes I have just such screwed up thoughts. He's like, "I, I can't, I hate it. I have these horrible, horrible thoughts. And the medications were making them worse. And he wasn't able to decipher between... What were his thoughts and these intrusive thoughts? And Tony turned to the room and said, how many people here have really effed up thoughts? And everyone put their hands up, you know, intrusive thoughts. The guy on the medications wasn't able to determine what's an intrusive thought before, or not. So he was giving it all meaning, going, oh my God, I'm the worst person in the world. I've got these horrible thoughts happening. And his brain chemistry was being altered by the drugs. And, but within 30 minutes, his light was back in his eyes and Tony did this pattern interrupt, this NLP pattern interrupt, grabbed his head and yelled in his face. It, was, it, it shocked everyone, but we we're like, oh, pattern interrupt. Anyway, after that, he had an incredible turnaround and then he did another intervention. And it was extraordinary what we can do by understanding our own thoughts and beliefs and values and rules. And there's so much in emotional intelligence, so many emotional intelligence tools out there now that we can learn that none of us were taught at school. None of us were taught that stress is our internal response to our external environment. We weren't taught that our perception of our world around us determines our biochemistry. You know, we we weren't taught this stuff. It's not brand new, but thankfully we are living in these times now when we have the likes of Dr. Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton talking about how perception changes our biochemistry. It literally changes our biology. So we, we are living in times fortunate times when we do have all these tools available to us if we want to access them.
0: Yeah, I think that's finally being a lot more widely accepted. It's not, I, I remember growing up in the 90s and anything like that, like, people would say, oh, it's kind of woo woo. Oh, it's quote unquote, new age almost. And it's really not. And I always think it's so fascinating when people will say that something is, is woo woo. And I'm like, it's actually really just that they're saying that different foods affect us in different ways. And that maybe our nutrition has an impact. The thing that we are putting in our body is having an impact on how our body responds. Like it it can be so interesting to see that. And then to learn about how the experiences that we have, might shape our overall health and wellness physically as well, and I find it so fascinating these pattern interrupts. And even I had someone on the show talking about trauma, and this really stuck with me. And it's something that I try to take with me now. Where we were talking about the power of forgiveness, and that she mm. forgives the person that hurt her. And I can have my vengeful side sometimes, and I'm thinking, well, mostly I get angry on other people's behalf. She, you know, she was talking about how she forgave this person or the people, not because they deserved it or not because what they did was okay, but because it was better for her, it was healthier for her to let it go in that sense. She remembered it. She's used it to help others who have gone through the same thing, but that she's used that... Forgiveness or that just shift in her mindset and found the meaning in it so that she could move forward and so that she wasn't punishing herself. It didn't matter to her how the other person was going to benefit from forgiveness or not, but forgiveness really helping her physically, mentally, emotionally, energetically.
1: Yeah, forgiveness is huge. I'll never forget a client I had about six or seven years ago. She had fibromyalgia, pretty bad fibromyalgia. And she had had some pretty horrific things happen to her earlier in life. And unforgivable stuff, family related, dad related, stuff that was really awful. I can't get my head around how people can do that. Anyway, um, after a number of sessions, we talked about letting go and forgiveness. And it was something that she just wasn't able to do. And I mean, she she did get better and better. You know, I was trying to coach her into exactly what you just said. It's not for the other person. It's for the person offering the forgiveness. Because if we hold on to that, if we hold on to that meaning, we are only hurting ourselves. The other person is fine. (laughs) You know, we end up hurting ourselves by not forgiving. And the next level of forgiveness is Acceptance. And this is when we get more into spiritual speak. I believe acceptance is even more powerful than forgiveness because let's put aside really severe stuff like, you know, rape and murder and horrible attacks like that. For the most part, people are doing the best with what they, what information they have at the time. And they might not realize that they are causing another person hurt. So someone can act in a way where, One person feels really victimized by the action of another person and cannot let that person go, meaning cannot forgive or cannot accept. I talk about acceptance here because the person who, let's say, just to name them, the person committing the so-called offense, that person might genuinely think they're doing nothing wrong by the other person. And from a neutral, neutral perspective, it really might be the case. You know, there's no quote unquote right or wrong. And acceptance is more powerful in that regard than forgiveness, in my opinion, because forgiveness really suggests that you are doing wrong by someone else. Like there's, you are determined. You're making a judgment that that person did something wrong by you. But who who's to, who's to say that was absolutely the case? There's normally a midway point, and most people are love in their hearts, unless they're completely twisted and doing really horrific things so yeah you know we can all acknowledge where we make mistakes and we you know we've done things by others that just aren't cool and I think it's helpful to acknowledge that for sure I just want to say that when it comes to forgiveness and acceptance I think I think acceptance is even more powerful because you're not making the other person wrong then you're just saying yeah they're just being you and I'm deciding how I receive it so one of my favorite quotes is Anthony Hopkins. He said uh, something to the effect of, in order to live a happy life, expect nothing and accept everything. And I really love that. We don't give meaning to things that cause us suffering.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's beautiful. And I really do see the value in this just for living the best lives that we can, thinking about even with that forgiveness and acceptance peace. You know, when you talked about hurting ourselves, it reminds me, of a quote and I cannot remember who this was from but that resentment is a poison that you that you drink with the intention of hurting somebody else yes yeah it's something we do to ourselves all the time and so i think recognizing that the pause breathe reflect having whatever mindfulness practice that you might have, it's going to help you to start pushing away from some of that. Now, I'd love to know too, because you have two other pillars and mental and emotional, I think those can be really easy to confuse. Talk to me about the mental component and how that differs from the emotional component and what some of those practices might be. Yeah,
1: good question. So this is something I couldn't really get my head around until I could (laughs) a few, few years ago. The mental is really referring to our thoughts and our beliefs, and the mental piece is really how thoughts and beliefs are the language of the brain, or the mind, and feelings and emotions are the language of the body. In fact, I just want to reference Dr. Joe Dispenza there, because that's something he says as well, or I probably learned it from him, him originally. You know, mental is head, and then emotion is body. So when we have thoughts and beliefs, we can think about the placebo effect. So... We can also think about the nocebo effect. So with the placebo effect, most people are familiar with the placebo effect. So we think we, we, take, we take a pill, we believe there's a substance in it, some kind of drug that's gonna help us get rid of a symptom or an illness or pain. But we take that with the belief that it is, and then we find out that it was a placebo, that it was an inert substance. So the sheer power of belief enables the body well, enables the brain chemist to cause the body to secrete a perfect concoction of chemicals conducive to healing. And by the sheer power of belief, by the sheer power of thought, the body is able to heal itself. That's the power of the brain and the mind and the thoughts and our beliefs. We can think ourselves vital. We can heal ourselves through thought alone. That's what the placebo effect is, healing through thought alone. So that's the mental piece. The emotional piece is related, but it's more about the body. So what often happens, what normally happens is a thought triggers an emotion which triggers a cascade of chemicals and hormones. So we can feel, if we're stressed, for example, we can feel stressed. It's this emotion that follows a thought. The thought is, I'm going to be late for work. Feeling, ah, stress. You know, there's really stress is an umbrella term for many, many, neg- you know, many other terms. Let's call it overwhelm or fear. Stress is often spoken about, the code word for fear. But it normally starts with a thought. So the thought triggers the emotion of fear. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna upset my boss. I'm in fear now, I'm stressed. I'm gonna upset them, they're gonna think badly of me, then I'm gonna feel unworthy. And that traces back to a time in my childhood when I was three. So the thought triggers the emotion, which triggers the cascade of chemicals and hormones. So with, with feelings, we know that if we are feeling appreciative, If we are feeling grateful, if we are feeling the emotions of love, if we are feeling the emotions of compassion, I've actually used those four emotions on purpose. The HeartMath Institute has been studying the heart-brain connection for 30 years, and they have studied the science of the heart and brain connection, the direction of flow of information between the heart, the gut, the brain. And they know the biochemist, the, the changes in our biology that take place after a thought and an emotion. So we know that if we are feeling in a state of appreciation in life for whatever it is, it <laughs> could be, oh, look, there's a beautiful bird sitting on the perch opposite me on a branch or on my shoulder, if you're lucky. And you can just be in that beautiful state. I'm looking out at these stunning trees and the ocean in front of me right now thinking, I can't believe I live here. I'm suddenly conjuring up this feeling of appreciation for being here. Of course, that's determined on my external reality, which goes into another whole different topic. But um, if we can feel the feelings of appreciation, gratitude, care and compassion, we actually change our biochemistry and we start secreting a concoction of chemicals conducive to healing, as opposed to the emotions of stress, which downregulate certain genes and trigger illness (laughs) after time. So a lot of people are living by the hormones of stress, which is a feeling consistently. Short bouts of stress can be a good thing. Constant stress, chronic stress, not a good thing because we end up living by the hormones of stress as if we're constantly about to be attacked by a tiger. So the emotion piece is separate to the mental piece. They, They go hand in hand, but they are actually separate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you're really going to be chased by the tiger, then it's good to have that stress response in the moment because it's something that we picked up through through our ancestry. But to be reacting that way to pressures at work, again, if your work doesn't have you, you know, maybe running from fire or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you're, you're sitting at a desk answering emails and you have that reaction, maybe not the best. And it makes so much sense. I, I every day, I have been really trying to prioritize my walks and not so much for the exercise, although it is nice to get myself moving, but honestly, because I see the ducks outside, this is a time of year where they're having ducklings. There are a lot of, just a lot of animals. I'm, I'm in the state of Florida, so we have a lot of wildlife here too. And just taking my walks and seeing the birds and seeing, I, I had a hawk come by recently and I'm not in a particularly rural area. So it was really, I was really happy to see it. And I had at one point actually went to a psychic who told me I needed to be by water and that water was where I get my downloads. I don't know if that's true or not, but I feel better when I can see water. There's so much science behind that too. But when I see the water, when I see the animals, it just puts a smile on my face. And it's harder to be thinking about this thing that happened at work or this person sent me a text that I'm trying to decipher or whatever's going on with family, which family can be very triggering. Shout out to the family members listening, but mm. it's... Yeah, it, it really like being outside for me is one of those things that really helps me to get into that state of gratitude and that compassion, because it, it's challenging sometimes when we don't, I think, change our environment.
1: Yes, totally. And I'm with you on that one. One of the greatest ways to reset, I think, is to move the body, get into exercise. And like you, you know, sometimes I go for a run. It's not for the exercise itself. It's actually to clear my head. And mm-hmm. i often wa- I run by water often if I'm lucky enough to be in an area near water, near a lake or the ocean where I am now. Where I used to live at home, I'd always run to a lake and run around the lake. It's something very revitalizing for me, being around water. And I'm, I'm a psychic said the same thing to me. A medium said the same thing to me. Wow. He said, being by the water is a reset for you. I'm a Pisces as well, which helps. He said, just get by the... Every day, go to the water. That's where you get the downloads. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. So... um Yeah, there's a lot that can be said for getting outdoors, just being appreciative for nature. I mean, it's just so stunning when we really take a step back and go, holy crap, this is just extraordinary. Even if it's really terrible weather, it's a lot harder when it's terrible (laughs) weather. But um, we can appreciate the atmosphere after a rainstorm, for example, and the colors that come out in winter. And even if it's cold, wrapped up in scarf and hat and gloves and just being outside and the freshness of the, the air and the colors of the trees, you know, there's a lot that we can be appreciative for in nature, of course, and it changes a lot for our emotional health and mental health.
0: Absolutely. And I'd love to know too, because you mentioned the energetic, and I think that's something that we don't think about as much when we talk about our health and our wellness. We do get into the physical, because again, it is, you can take very actionable steps toward eating a certain food or replacing a certain food, moving your body a certain amount, the mental and emotional, sometimes you're diving into some things that are a little difficult, but those are things now I think we're finally starting to, I think people as a whole are really accepting the the impact that it has i had blood work like a year ago where my blood work some of the numbers were off the charts and my doctor functional medicine first thing she said was did you she's like this is very strange for you did you go through something stressful and i had and sure enough my numbers were kind of back to normal again the, the next time so we're we're accepting that but the energetic i think is something that we Don't talk about quite as much. I think that that's still something people are wrapping their heads around. Talk to me about the role that the energetic plays in our vitality and how we can approach that in our lives.
1: Yeah. So really, energy encapsulates everything because everything is energy. But the piece that I really want to kind of zero in on is the power of meditation and a visualization. And meditation doesn't have to be sitting on top of a mountain as a monk in Tibet. You can be walking by the beach or by water or in nature or swimming. It's something which allows you to be present and appreciative of your surroundings and sounds and nature, whatever it is. I do both. I do meditate um, at home with normally in the morning, mostly, mostly in the morning sometimes in the afternoons as well it's an amazing reset but understanding the power of meditation and its effects on our biology so we've we've already did, we've already discussed how emotions are stored like electromagnetic energy and if we the more that we zero in on us being energy beings like i said earlier from a quantum perspective we are many nines empty space or energy and many matter when you zoom in enough that's what we are So we're just vibrational beings, and every emotion and thought has a frequency, every organ, every bone, every tissue, everything has a frequency. We now have quantum machines and bioresonance devices and energy medicine devices, which can use frequency to determine and even rectify imbalances in the body. So you can hold an electrode or put something on your head, and it can bounce these frequencies off your skin and determine which organs are working and which ones aren't or or, or are suboptimal. And you can do a scan in minutes to see the imbalances. And then you can either be recommended health changes or supplements or energetic release, or you can even do, you can now use these machines to actually send frequencies into the body that can balance these imbalances. So energy is understanding us as energy beings how everything is frequency. Nikola Tesla said, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency and vibration. And it's, this is the bit that excites me more than anything right now. This is my area of highest excitement and where I'm exploring and researching and watching Gaia and, you know, tapping into psychic realms and remote viewing and uh, past lives and everything and understanding us as physical and non-physical. And it's it's really interesting. Manifestation. Well, I mentioned Joe Dispenza. You can go to a Dr. Joe Dispenza event and spend five days, seven, six days meditating and witness or even experience a complete radical remission from some of the most incurable of illnesses, quote-unquote incurable. People doing it every single time at these events. You don't have to go to an event. You can do it at home. You can meditate. You don't have to do Joe Dispenza. You can meditate anyway, and and it can happen. He just has it down. He, He has it really down. I haven't seen anyone who does it as well as him. But Visualization, heart and brain coherence, understanding what happens in the body when we're in a heart and brain coherent state. It's amazing what happens in the body. Dr. Joe Dispenza at these events says he brings scientists onto stage or, you know, calls them in on Zoom on stage. And He'll get those scientists to verify that there's all this new information in the blood. You know, blood carries information. That's why we get blood tests. And you can get really specific with information in blood. You can look at all these different metabolites and proteins and molecules. And there's lots of names that I just, I don't even know at this point. But lots of, let's just say, information in the blood, anti-cancer metabolites, for example, and new immune markers. All these, these new bits of information appear in the blood over a period of seven days. They weren't there before. Seven days later, they're there. More than 2,000 new pieces of information appear in the blood. And what are we doing? All we're doing is meditating and we're changing our biochemistry. So Dr. Joe Dispenser says to the scientist, can you just confirm we have new information? He's a like, little bit smug. He's like, can you confirm there's new information in the blood? And the scientist said, yes, yes, there's new information in the blood. Anti anti-cancer metabolites? Yeah, yeah, that's there. Interesting. New immune market? R- interesting, right. So you're confirming that it's there. The scientist said, yes. Then Dr. Joe says, can you now explain how it got there? And the scientist said, he paused and went, he kind of smiled and went, focusing on nothing, apparently. <laughs> and the audience, yeah. the audience was cracked up. Or the audience, you know, with 1,700 people meditating. And we're cracked up because we've been spending five hours a day meditating. Not all in one shot. <laughs> you know, over yeah. a day. So we literally have a biological upgrade during meditation. Why isn't the entire world meditating? The, the evidence is there. The science is there. Not, doc, not just Dr. Joe Dispenza. There's tons of science outside of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I just love, I just love referring to him because I've, I've learned so much from him. There is science that shows about the biological effects of meditation. You can even Google or look at PubMed and look at meditation and inflammation. You can see peer-reviewed medical research showing that meditation reduces inflammation. So why isn't everyone meditating? People would rather take a drug because it's been programmed into us through incessant, repetitive programming. But it's we are phenomenally powerful beings. We have so much available to us that most people have no idea about. So I see the energy piece as the reward after you go, go through the, the rest of the journey.
0: Yeah. Well, it was funny. I went to a doctor a few years ago. It was a a gastro for one specific issue. And one of the practices he said, yes, he mentioned foods and he mentioned some other interventions, but he also said diaphragmatic breathing would be one of the best things I could do and that there was more and more research coming out that that would help. And I found that to be so interesting because modern medicine, you you still don't hear that very often when you go into a doctor's office and that this doctor was saying, hey, you need to focus on getting your Breathing the way it needs to be and that this is something that will have an impact on you. I thought that was so cool. And I have some hope for the future, hopefully for these next generations, because I'm, you know, I'm seeing some people now. I, I had one guest on the podcast who teaches principles of yoga and meditation to inner city kids and helps them, you know, and anyone that's having like behavioral issues in school or they have maybe some family things going on, challenges, and how much this has impacted them and impacted the outcomes for them. But then also, I had another guest who goes into, I think, mostly middle schools. And when students are having some of these behavioral issues, he's having them focus on their breathing or practice gratitude. He'll have little gratitude games for them and things like that. And that he's had students come back who have since gone on to high school and so forth, who either he's heard from the parents or guardians, or he's actually heard from them, hey, they're not getting in trouble anymore. They're focusing in school, they're living better lives, they're happier, and they're th- still thinking about the things that that they were learning through this mindfulness and meditation and just getting into the breath and some of these principles. So I'm hoping to see more of this as we continue forward. I think the more that this is now being more widely accepted anyway, that people will see that hey, we are more than a body. We have a lot of different components that are impacting our day-to-day and we can focus on all. We don't have to neglect one. Or yeah, I think that there's so much power in that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I love hearing what you just spoke about, you know, the results children are getting and people are getting through a mindfulness practice, just connecting with breath. It shouldn't be a surprise. You know, we we come from nature and the closer we get to nature the more balanced we become. It's only when we become become separated from nature, and sometimes forcibly so, where we start to have challenges. And the moment we come back to the breath, the moment we come back to this kind of, the present moment, I know it's cliche, but it really is quite a powerful thing. Although there's no such thing as present moment because it's already in the past. You understand what I mean, the present moment, experiencing where we are right here, right now. We're not thinking about the past. We're not thinking about the future. One of my good friends once said, gave me a quote that I loved. He said, if you've got one foot in the past and one foot in the future, you're in the perfect stance to crap on the present. Mm. Yeah. So we're not enjoying the right here, right now. That's the only, that's the only real thing right now. And, you know, the, the quantum yeah. model of reality is fascinating because we go into different dimensions and all that kind of stuff. Too much for this podcast. But it's, um, <laughs> if we understand that we can maximize the right here, right now, we can start to attract phenomenal things. You know, we've only talked about the body. Energy, once I've understood energy and understanding how my emotions affect my external reality, and I start to attract people differently when I change my own energy, and I attract good things into my life when my energy is high, and I tra- attract less good things or, or even not so good things at all into my life. If my energy is down, I've, I've played around with experiments around this. It's awesome. We can we can learn how to manifest. And we, this, was, this was available to us since the moment we popped out, you know, at birth. It's sadly been kept from us for reasons we don't need to go into now. But we, we can manifest, we can heal the body through thought alone. We can manifest you know, what I'd like to say, dream lives, by thought alone. Again, I'm still working on it, I'm not Jesus yet if we look at the masters of our time and look at what they could do with their thoughts with their emotions we can do the same thing we are all we are all the same humans we have so much available to us that most people are not familiar with particularly if all we're doing is watching the mainstream media and normal tv it's a programming device so if we step away from that it's what it's called tv programs if we move away from programs we can recreate our own programs and instil new ones new new ones that give us power rather than disempower us
0: yeah we we're so we we really do let a lot of the external dictate us and what we're seeing i think yeah mainstream and there is so much i am happy to see that a lot of this is starting to become more mainstream and people are more readily accepting it but I think that's something we can need to continue to challenge and continue to see, well, what is working for us and push that forward, keep moving forward. Now, I do have a few rapid-fire questions that I love to ask our guests, and I'd love to ask you as well.
1: Okay, please do.
0: Awesome. I'd love to know what your favorite self-care practice is right now.
1: I would say... Right now, I'm loving ice baths. Yeah, I've been doing Wim Hof breathing for years now, particularly consistent during COVID. I started a group off at the beginning of COVID to help a brotherhood I'm a member of, a wonderful brotherhood called Metal. And more recently, I've been doing ice baths daily. And it's something that I never imagined. I don't like the cold. <laughs> so I never <laughs> imagined I would like ice baths. And, that, and it's something that is so rejuvenating. It gives me energy. It makes me feel wonderful and it's, it brings me to the present moment like nothing else. And it's weird that you, you were probably expecting me to say like massage or something, but that, that is something that I'm loving right now. In fact, I'm probably going to have one right after we speak because I didn't have one this morning.
0: That's so interesting. I have so much respect for anyone that will do that. And at some point, maybe I'll brave it. But I've heard so many great things about the benefits there. So, I mean, kudos to you. If you had a one-word theme for the year ahead, what would that be? Energy. I like that. And I think that's, again, we talked about that's something that we we don't think about as often as we should. And it has such a power. I mean, it is everything.
1: It is. It encapsulates everything. When I'm seeing what people are doing and experiencing it myself by understanding our gifts with energy, it's just, it's, it changes everything. Imagine just getting rid of lack, knowing that we are all entangled, we are literally all energetically connected, we are part of a quantum field with limitless potential. Like if we were born and at school they said, right, you are energy and you're extensions of source energy. You are connected to an infinite field of intelligence with limitless potential. Imagine learning that from day one. And and here's how to do it. Here's how to meditate. Here's how to visualize. This is all in ancient scriptures that were altered for various reasons we don't need to go into, but so much can change.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, that would have been amazing in school instead of, I think, the way that some of us maybe went through school. So, yeah, that is that is a great word and a great theme. Uh, my final rapid fire for you, what are you most looking forward to? Huh,
1: interesting. I would say mastering more tools around energy, because it's really, it's learning how to use energy. I did a pranic energy course about three or four weeks ago. And for the first time, I actually felt the energy field of different people. And the chakras, the energy centers, I could literally feel the energy coming off each of these different centers. And then I could even clean my own energy, in fact, other people's energy centers and also my own and replenish and read. It's just extraordinary. And I was like, there's one point when I was plugged in, I felt like I was plugged into a power supply, which was just, was cosmic energy. And my whole body raised, the frequency just rose. And it was just amazing. So- That's what excites me. In the words of Dolores Cannon, learning how to manipulate energy. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Manipulate meaning learning how to move it. It's extraordinary what we can do with energy. So that's what excites me. I don't know which tool it is going to be. I don't know. Remote viewing excites me. Learning how to kind of see in places where I'm not physically located. You know, the CIA trained a lot of people to do this. It's not it's not something that's unavailable to us. We can all learn these things. And psych, you know, we all have psychic gifts, whether it's clairvoyant or clairaudio or any of the others. <laughs> I've done Jedi training a few months ago with a company called White Dove. They're part of a company called VibraVision or Mapati Putti USA, who are featured on the superhuman documentary. Um, I attended one of their events in LA recently, and it was the level one. And they're, they're teaching people to see with their consciousness with their third eye something that's become calcified over years because of certain toxins so when we open it up and we start to use these skills we can do some really cool fun things with our bodies and our lives and creation manifestation it's it's fun so you know when you said that i was thinking going to egypt kite surfing off a yacht and then i thought yes that but i also thought what's really exciting is understanding and really tapping into these superhuman jedi like gifts that we all
0: have i was gonna say they both sound really exciting um that is so so cool you'll have to we'll have to do a part two after you've gone through your course and discuss more about what you learn from there so that is really fascinating
1: if anyone by the way if anyone wants to see a video of the White Dove Method. It's on my Instagram. And uh, I could, there's some links for the next training and discount codes and stuff. If that's of interest, head to my Instagram. And yes, we can talk about that later if you want. I just wanted to put that in there.
0: Fabulous. Tell our listeners a little bit about where they can find you, how they can connect with you. And of course, about your amazing book that you have coming out.
1: Yes, thank you. So my, my main website is vitalitysecret.com secret without an s and they can find my coaching programs i do one-on-one coaching group coaching and they can also download the copy of my last book complimentary right now it's the vitality secret which is really about chronic inflammation and how to reverse it and my main social medias are instagram neil cannon vitality and facebook is neil cannon 1980. um i have youtube as well but you know you can access these from my main website as well Um, My podcast is The Vitality Secret Podcast, but let's not give too many links. It's going to get too confusing. The main thing I should just say is find me on my website, vitalitysecret.com. And also my next book is called The Vitality Code. Thank you for asking. That's going to be out hopefully in four to six weeks. I haven't got a solid date yet, but um, in fact, it could be within four weeks. In fact, the timing of this release could be even good. So um, that's how people can find me.
0: Wonderful. Well, we'll make sure to link those in the show notes, whether it's a, a pre-order link or an order link, we'll get that out there for the listeners. But Neil, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your time, your energy, your wisdom with us. This has been such a great conversation and I look forward to seeing more from you.
1: Thank you so much, Valerie. It's been a really enjoyable, fun conversation. A long one than usual, actually. So um, yeah. yeah, thank you. It's been fun and I hope yeah I hope your listeners enjoy it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to episode 138 with Neil Cannon, and thank you to Neil for coming on the show. If our conversation resonated with you, I would love it if you left a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app to let us know what you think. Your reviews help others find the show and allow us to continue bringing you amazing guests like Neil. If you have a topic you'd like to explore in a future episode, drop me a line at wellness and Wonderless blog on Instagram or by email at Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E at wellnessandwanderlust.net. Thank you all for another incredible week and we'll see you next time.